Welcome to Courtside Moms. I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I have the utmost pleasure of speaking with Linda Shanklin, the mother of Andre Igudala of the Miami Heat. Welcome, Linda, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Wendy. This is so exciting. I am so happy to be a part. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. The reason why I do the show is because I like to show fans and just the public what really the, the trajectory of a basketball player is and how they get to the league and who actually helps them get to the league to play pro basketball and all the wonderful things they do in life. And we figured the only person that can really, really give us the truth is the mamas. Get <laughs> it from his mama. That's right. That's right. So, so let's, let's talk about the things that the fans probably don't really know about Andre. So let's talk about where did he grow up? Andre grew up in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, I, yeah, me and his stepfather, we still reside here. And so he spent all of his life all the way up until college here in Springfield. Okay. Was he athletic? He was very athletic. This this dude and his older brother, they were in everything. But, you know, their background, uh, you know, myself my and my younger brother, we were very athletic. And so that's all they were surrounded by was sports. And Andre and his brother did everything. They did karate, they did swimming, they did flag football, they did uh, full contact football. They flirted with golf and basketball and a little bit of soccer. They, they did everything track. <laughs> so mom, were you an athlete too? I, I was, I was good too. <laughs> Let's talk about what you did. <laughs> I played basketball, volleyball, and track. And I went as far as junior college with basketball. And uh, I still, the team that I played for, Southeast Spartans here in Springfield, uh, we still hold the record. We went uh, as far as super sectionals. And Jackie Joyner Kersey, oh. the Olympian, yeah. I played against her and her sister. And they beat us in super sectionals. And so we still hold that record at our high school uh, that we went, we went that far. Uh, and so I was just very athletic. I, I love, I, I'm still, you know, a sports fanatic. Right. I love sports. I even watch rugby. I watch golf. I watch track. I watch year round. I watch sports. My favorite TV channel is ESPN. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess we know where Andre gets his uh, sports ethics from. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> very competitive. He's just competitive, just like I am. He's very competitive. Where did he fall in love with basketball? At what age? Um, around fifth, fourth, fifth grade. More fifth grade. He mm -hmm. he kind of uh, where our living situation at the time we stayed in an apartment above my mom and my mom's immediate family and as well as my siblings is, is a bunch of women and I am the only one with the most males and I was not going to have them sitting around a bunch of women and so we lived around the corner from a housing complex a housing development um, general term is projects I don't like projects and uh 
it was like go. I give them a. I bought a ball. Go around the corner and get in trouble. Go learn how other people live besides all these women in this house with our women issues. And so he and his brother playing pickup ball with the kids in the neighborhood. And uh, there was a community center there, and the worker noticed Andre and his brother out there, but he took to Andre rather quickly and was basically like, this kid looks really good at this young age. And so, like I said, more like fifth grade, uh, after much discussion and threatening that my baby bet not come up hurt, uh, Andre actually started <laughs> playing for the sixth and seventh grade team. And he just kind of, it just kind of took off from there. Wow. Did you recognize his talent at that age? I, you know, uh, I, I, not so much basketball, but did I recognize that there was a skill set that he had that would produce whatever he put his, his mind to, whatever he committed to, I always felt like he would be good at whatever he chose to do. Let's move forward to high school. Where did he go to high school? Uh, here in Springfield at Lanphier High School, which is really the MBA school of Springfield, we have two individuals who uh, went to, who are alumni, uh, Ed Horton, who at the time played for the Washington Bullets, which are now the Washington Wizards, and Kevin Gamble, who is one of the, um, I'm not sure of his position with the Toronto Raptors, but he is like one of, on the staff with the Toronto Raptors, but Kevin played for his most memorable years were with the Boston Celtics and he won a championship with them, but he also played for the Miami Heat. So he, he went to the NBA high school. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we know he was a great athlete, but did you have to push him at the, um, academically? I did not. Uh, that was, uh, that was, that was not a compromise. Education was not a compromise. I did not. I was a very stern mother uh and you know i was a single mom and so i did not play when it came to academics my what i instilled in them was the same person that was on that basketball court that would give you 10 to 12 points five rebounds six or seven assists uh you know whatever his stats were that's the same butt that sat in the chair in the classroom and i expected those same results and I did not waver on that at all. Well, you did great, Mom, because he was on the... <laughs> during high school, he was um, in the national honor roll. Yes. And athletically, he was um, athlete of the week a couple of times. So yes. that's right. It's good that he was able to balance the two. Yeah, he, he, did, a, he did a good job. And I, it, to keep them uh, motivated and engaged... Uh, I went, I started back college while they were uh, just about junior, junior high school, middle school, junior high school. I went back to school and because we are so competitive, we competed for grades, which uh, they did not understand. You know, at times when mom bought a C, it's like, okay, mom working two full-time jobs and going to school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was getting a lot of attention um, during high school, um, which led him to a couple of offers, well, offers for, high, um, for college. So let's talk about your decision to narrow down the colleges that were calling and where did you go and why did you choose the college that he went to? 
Well, you know, he played for an AAU team real quick uh, mm -hmm. out of Chicago, which was a challenge because, you know, money was real tight and mm -hmm. getting him back and forth to Chicago to compete as well as on the AAU circuit, you're traveling all over the right. United States. And so uh, he started off having to travel by himself, in which, you know, he, Andre was equipped to do that. And so at the national championships in Florida, Andre hit the game-winning shot, and his team won the national championship. Mm -hmm. So at that time, it was maybe four or five schools that uh, were looking at him, and that turned into 30 schools that wow. ended up getting in looking at him. And so, uh, you know, after much, you know, Dre pretty much knew where he wanted to go. He, mm -hmm. he, had al he already knew. And so uh, it was like, you still got to, we're going to take these five visits. We got five opportunities to get this one school right. So we took all five and we did Arkansas, we did Kansas, and I'm writing it down so I can get it right. <laughs> and we did, uh, uh, who was the other school? Arkansas, Kansas. We were so, we did Boston College. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we did, uh, Arkansas, Kansas, Boston, I forget the other two, Arizona. Yeah. And it was one more and I forgot it was so long ago, <laughs> but out of the pick of, uh, of five, uh, Merlin was in there. Uh, Merlin was in there for some reason. I think they ended up giving away the scholarship, but we ended up going with Arkansas. He always wanted to play for Arkansas. His uncle uh, my younger brother, he called Uncle Buggy. They still call him Uncle Buggy. Uh, he, my brother Sam was a huge, huge Arkansas fan. So practically Andre grew up watching uh, Nolan Richardson and the Arkansas Razorback. And so after all the five visits, we, we chose Arkansas. And then that didn't work out. Let's oh, that did not work out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no <one> got fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which led him to Arizona, right? My husband pushed him to Arizona. I, uh, Leonard stepped in and was like, Dre, Arizona, is, you, you need to go to Arizona. Because Arizona, <laughs> basically, I mean, Lute Olson at the time, I mean, it, he produced the best talent. And so uh, my husband pushed and Andre, uh, he said, yeah, because we were not going to bring any new schools in. We were going to stick with the five that we had already interviewed. Right. We had already became familiar with their programs, visited the campuses. And so uh, Andre agreed. And so he settled on uh, Lute Olson at Arizona. And it turned out to be a real good fit for him. Okay, so he did, I believe it was two years at Arizona. He, had, uh, he was a uh, yeah, yeah. freshman year, which he was top player, then sophomore, and then the decision to declare. Yes, that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what made your family decide at that point that he should declare and try Well, it was actually Andre and my husband that decided that and I was, I was held hostage. They, uh, Andre came home uh, after his, the end of his sophomore season. And uh, I knew something wasn't right because I was in my bedroom looking at TV and Andre and my husband came in and uh, they locked the door, would not let me out the room. And basically we began to have this conversation 
of Andre, it's, it's time for him to go, you know, to the league. It's, it's his number, which I understood, uh, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. You got to go. You can't miss that window of opportunity. The struggle for me was I wanted Andre to get one more year to assure me that he would graduate college right. because it was still important for me that he went to, that he, that he got his degree uh, because I was still reflecting back. Brown University was one of the schools that was looking at Andre. Although they were not a basketball school, Brown was looking at my baby. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> so after much, um, you know, really prodding at me and just getting over, okay, mom, I'm going to go back and get the degree. I, I promise you, but it's my window. It's time for me to go. And so it was like, okay, well, let, okay, let, let's do this. You know, what, what all do right. we need to do? Because Andre's a, Andre's a person that he does his homework. He, he, when he gets, when he commits to something, he's committed wholeheartedly. He does his homework. Uh, what is A to Z? What is one to 10? And so he had pretty much had everything set up and all we needed to do was just be there and be his parents and be supportive. So at this time, I'm assuming you started looking for an agent. Right. We did. And Andre basically had them lined up. He had already, he was like, you know, that was one of the things that he kept saying to me while they were holding me hostage. <laughs> Mom, I got everything taken care of. All you got to do, because, you know, he's 19 years right. old. The only thing you got to do is just, just come with me and just be there with me and just pay attention. And, you know, if there's any thing that I, that he missed that I needed to pick on or whatever, because my background is con, uh, contracts and as well as my husband, um, I did, uh, for 23 years, I did construction administration. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, I just, I got everything straight. So we lined up the five agents, the same as we did with the schools. Right. And we interviewed all five agents and we settled on Rob Polinka, who was Kobe Bryant's um, agent. And uh, that worked out great too. <laughs> that, that was just amazing. We did Rob last because Andre knew we were really going to like him. Right. And so uh, my husband kind of was like, okay, if Rob is that good, we'll interview Rob last. Right. Because if he's good, he'll still be there. And That's so right. we interviewed Rob last and we knew before we left California it was going to be Rob. So when you're going through the process of choosing an agent, what were you looking for? Uh we were looking for someone that um number one, they were most of these agents are lawyers. So you know, contracts is okay, that that's good. You understand contracts, but understanding what are you going to offer my son in terms of his career beyond the league? Right. Because what we understood, uh, this was a business. Andre was getting a job. Right. We were not looking for an agent that was looking to line his pockets, but forget about that my son had, would have a life after basketball. So we wanted to each one of them had an opportunity to present how they were going to treat Andre as a client uh, from the perspective of uh, endorsements, from the perspective of uh, what was their relationship with the various teams that they would be contacting 
or that would be interested in Andre that would help mold and build his career in basketball and even that beyond and even from the perspective of spiritually where were they at from a spiritual standpoint because Andre grew up in a deeply rooted uh, God-fearing home and you know we ran into for example an agent where uh, they split us up they took up the, the older people took us the parents to a certain place and then they took Andre somewhere else. Andre caught a cab and came back and he was like, no, these guys are going to spend my money. And so Andre was not someone that was into stripping, you know, going to to strip clubs. Andre was not someone who drank. Andre was not someone who did drugs. So that sort of thing was not Andre. So of course that agency was totally out but what were you what did you know about Andre and how would you put together a plan for him through his uh, usefulness in the basketball field and then his usefulness beyond and Rob was able to put that together so now at this point um you're noticing that your family's life is changing just a little bit now because now your son is about to be celebrity. So how do you balance now your life, your personal life with your basketball life and at the same time raising Andre, who is going to be soon celebrity Andre? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, you know, it's, it's easy to, when we sit and we talk to families now, whether we're I'm doing an interview or I'm talking to another NBA mom or, you know, whatever it's, it, it, it sounds so easy cause I've already gone through it, but it wasn't easy. What we did as a family, uh, we got together and we discussed where we would fit in right. with Andre understanding. This was your dream. This is what you wanted to do. I didn't wake up one day and wanted to be an NBA player or, you know, at the time we, we didn't have WNBA. So it was understood again, this was a business. This is you investing in you and we will support you until you become uh, self-sufficient and independent and you can make your own decisions. But until that point, this is your life. This is what you want to do. So we're, remain parents and we didn't step outside of that that uh mold and it was understood and had to be reminded a a, a few times i'm not your damn fan yeah i'm your mama and i will always be your mother but i stayed in the place of a mother right we were much more comfortable with remaining that sense of normalcy that place where he could come out of this world of height and he could come back and just be comfortable with us because at that time we had a a, when he first went into the league in 2004 we started his basketball camp well we started his foundation and part of it was a basketball camp and I didn't take over the foundation until maybe after five years and I started running the camp and he would come home every year for the camp but he would come home 
And when he would come home, I would still cook for him. You know, we would still, he loves Monopoly. We would play Monopoly, Connect Four. We were the balance. We were the normal part of his life. And we never got outside of that. The challenge was when we went out in public and we tried to navigate that because his world, I mean, it was still a part of our world. Yes. And so the new normal was going to the grocery store, you know, between two and four o'clock in the morning, uh, cutting the grass. Uh, we had hundred watt bulbs outside so we could <laughs> cut the grass at midnight. <laughs> and so, wow. And we had just built uh, a home before Andre uh, in nine. Yeah. In 99, we built a new home. And so Andre got a chance to stay there for two years and we were determined. I was determined. I didn't want to leave my house. I mean, we made a lot of sacrifice to build that house. And so it didn't work out. We, we, we had to move, but even now, Andre does speak on, he enjoys that when he wants to come out of that NBA limelight, Mm -hmm. I can go back home and everything is just normal and regular for him. And and we've always tried to keep that environment for him. Yeah, that is so important because the NBA is such a busy, busy life. You know what I mean? They have no downtime just to be themselves. So it's good that they're able to go home and just be who they were before like, and that's what he likes and he flies me you know different places that he has he's lived he's he'll fly me and you know and his stepdad out and it, it's just a way of I just need to connect to something normal you know yeah. like for Thanksgiving sometimes depending on if he's traveling or not I'll uh go out and you know fix what he likes for Thanksgiving it's like I want my mama you know I go from mom mommy mama mommy or something (laughs) like that it calls me and so each one of them has a a meaning behind it and so when it's uh mama you know mama come out here and fix me something to eat so it's like okay so I'll still travel and do that with him sometimes oh that is so (laughs) special my son and I we uh we FaceTime cook (laughs) now (laughs) You know, with growing up with all these women, my aunts, my mother's sisters, uh, my sisters, his aunts, uh, even my brothers, we all, you know, my mother is from Arkansas, so she's Southern roots. And then, I mean, this woman can cook. So they grew up around cooking and Andre and his brother, they are great cooks. I I mean, they they just kicked me to the curb with barbecuing. I mean. (laughs) I was the barbecue queen at one point, not anymore. They are the barbecue. My oldest son is the pit master. Wow. And so, yes, he's here. I have the meat all lined up and I I do my own rubs. And so uh, the meat's got rub on it. And I'm, so when he's rested, he, I need him out on the grill. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you know what? Let's just go back to draft night. I want to hear all about your family's draft night. Where were you guys? What'd you do? Linda, what'd you wear? Just go. I want to hear it all. (laughs) Andre, he, uh, L of V, I think they're still around. They, they made his, uh, draft suit for him. As a matter of fact, the majority of that draft, uh, I think they made those guys suits Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
So Andre surprised me because he was working out in Chicago for the diff different teams. And uh, he pulled me into his hotel room. You know, I'm in Springfield, so I'm only three hours south of right. Chicago. And he's like, come on up. I need you to take a look at this suit, make sure I'm good. And so I get there and they've got all these different, what I think is female color patterns and stuff. And it's like, so we, I know you're not wearing that. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to have them make you a suit. And so that was like, oh, okay. I've never had a custom made suit. I mean, I've yeah. <laughs> up but not custom. And so I wore a fuchsia color um, suit. It was a skirt. And uh, I had a bit of weight on me and I wanted to be cute. So I said, okay. <laughs> You know, you're gonna have to do a second measuring because I'm I'm getting this weight off. I didn't realize how much weight I had lost because I didn't get a chance to go back because I was still working. Right. And I didn't get a chance to go back and get that second measurement. And so we're in New York and I go to the ladies' room to try to suit on, and the suit is so big. <laughs> it's so big. I'm like and I'm not gifted up top, so I couldn't make up that <laughs> And so what no one sees in the pictures or on TV is all the pins that I had in me so that the suit would fit. But it was an absolutely gorgeous suit. They dressed me the same as they did Andre. They had even bought me a pair of shoes. I had bought my own shoes, and they had my jewelry. And and then my hairdresser, well, she... I, I, was not a hair person. I shaved all my hair off and dyed it platinum and that was easy. And so, but draft night was, Andre just made it so easy for us. When I say Andre did his homework, all we did was just show up right. and we were just there for him. Um, we love to read. We love to learn about different cities, states, cultures, and we're deeply rooted in the sports. And so when the various teams, when we were told that they were potentially looking at Andre, uh, that's some of the stuff we helped him with. Mm -hmm. uh, we gave him a rundown on what the baseball team had did, what the <laughs> hockey team did, if they had a soccer team. So we were filling in in all of those areas. And like if he was on a radio interview, we were taking, we had a little notepad. We were writing notes. Okay, say this. And so, you know, we were just a team and he just made it so, the experience was beautiful. Uh, that was the first time I had been to New York. I had been to Washington, D.C., but I had never been as far as the East Coast, uh, you know, other than Boston for the, for the school trip. That was the first time I had been to New York. Uh, the NBA made it a, a wonderful experience to allow us to get out and move around and show us different things. But uh, it was, I mean, it, it was an awesome experience. It, it, it wasn't hectic. It wasn't stressful or anything. Uh, but Andre made it really easy for us. Did he have a preferred team that he was hoping would choose him? If he did... If I can recall, he did not tell us. Um, Chicago kept saying they were going to take him because they had two picks uh, in the top 10. And I think that year they had 
number three and number seven, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I know they had three and they took Ben Gordon at three. So Phoenix was there in the top 10 and they mm -hmm. really wanted Andre. And so Chicago said they were going to take him at three and then they didn't. And then they were supposed to take him again and I forget, they took Luol Dean next. And so Philly was the only one that said, we're going to stay at nine. If he's available at nine, we're going to take him. So Chicago screwed up one through 10 for a lot of people because it one through 10 wanted Andre. Well, besides one, because it was uh, Dwight Howard went one, but Chicago messed it up. And that was, Chicago was disappointing. They were challenging, but they were, I'm, I did not want him to go to Chicago because that was too close to home. But, uh, and I was never really a big Chicago fan. Yeah, you said that you were a trailblazer. Yeah, I was a Portland Trailblazer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's crazy because I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. And I came to Springfield in 77 when I was a sophomore in high school. And I was still at home out of, it's three girls, I'm the youngest. And I was left at home with four boys. So whatever they liked, I liked. And so uh, no one was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, but we were Kansas City Royals fans, the baseball team. And I'm still a Royals fan, but I am a diehard fan. I don't care win, lose, or whatever. I am a fan. I am still a, a, I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. And, well, I'm not Portland anymore because of Dre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. So, so you're sitting there and you're anticipating him going between top 10, but now it's actually real. Now they actually call his name out. 76ers, your baby's ninth pick. What's going through your head now? Now that it's actually, it actually happened. It's, it's like for the whole process, meaning going back to mm -hmm. high school, when the colleges started looking at him, then you go through the college process and now he's a prospect for the NBA. And then all of what you go through and then you finally get there and he's picked, it's like, you just drop and it's like, okay, God, this part is over with. <laughs> you exhale in that moment, you exhale and it's like, okay, let's, let's get ready to do this. You know, uh, the next thing that fell on my head was I had a 19 year old going to Philadelphia yeah. and I knew he would be okay. Uh, and he was ready for it. Um, his brother graduated college um, the next month cause he went to summer school and, and so he, he finished college. So now I have a 19 and a 20 year old uh, that's going to Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. And so I was, I was still, as a mom, yep. you're still nervous. Um, I know this kid can handle it. I know he's fine, but as a mom, I'm like, he's still 19. Yeah. And so that was the, that was, if I, if I have to say out of the entire draft first year in the NBA was him being 19 going to Philadelphia. That's when I think reality just kind of hit me like, Oh hell, what am I gonna do? Yeah. You know, because I really didn't want to move to Philadelphia because I, I felt like it would stagnate him because 
Frank and Andre are mama's voice in the true sense of mama boys. And I felt like I was going to stagnate their growth. And so once we got over all of the fanfare and got on the train the next day and went to uh, Philly, we had a meeting on the parking lot. We had dinner at um, Outback Steakhouse. (laughs) And it was like, okay, come on, y'all. They knew I was nervous. And it was like, uh, mom, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Okay. Because Andre had... I knew in that moment, Andre was going to try me because if it's one that knows how to push my button, it's him because he is every bit of me. And what I don't like about me, I can see it in him. <laughs> so it was like, let's go outside on the parking lot because if you, we, we need to talk. And if you say something smart, I am a very, all of us, we are very vocal mm-hmm. and God is still working on us with filtering. <laughs> today and so it was like you get smart with me in this restaurant it's not I'm it's going up it's going up (laughs) you're still mom yeah and I'll still go it still go they I'm 57 and I still will get with them you know it's just like no I will still get with them so we go out on the parking lot and we just had a family meeting about what I needed them to do to make me feel secure right. and feel okay with them in Philadelphia. And he, he did, he started off with mom. I don't want you coming out here. He said, <laughs> I don't want you out here. I don't, it's like, you know, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. And so we, so I flew out once a month. That was the, the final agreement. I flew out once a month and, you know, they were not the tidiest. They, they, let me say this: the way when I went out there once a month, it was like this is not the house y'all grew up in. Yeah. So it's like I'm gonna need y'all just don't stop bathing. I, I did. <laughs> I, I just don't stop bathing. The very least. But they they got it together. They did good. It was never any issues. Um, I mean, they they did good. He that first year. And I just love him to death for it. He did everything to show me that he was going to be okay. Right. And, and I and I and I felt good about it. And so I got rid of two kids at the same time. So let's talk about his rookie year. Um, what was that like seeing? First of all, your baby. He he got his own jersey. He got his own number. I mean, this is real. Yeah. Like he's actually yeah. up there playing. Like, what was that like for you guys? Like your, did you go to the first game? I did. I, you know, we, the first year we went to quite a few games, Mm -hmm. uh, again, that, but they were more mostly home games because I was still working and my husband was still working. And so it wasn't that, um, I couldn't leave when I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I, I, I had positioned myself uh, as far as seniority where I could get up and, and I could travel with my, my job, but I was into the midst of my career in the midst of finishing up my associate degree and started working on my bachelor's. And so I felt it was an opportunity for me to do finally do something with me. And so we went to mainly home games and, you know, maybe we stayed three, four days, but seeing him play it was like you know watching him on that big stage and just 
I can remember the fans because fans find out who you are. You know that yeah. you you yeah. can go into an arena; they're gonna find out who you are. And then in even interacting with the the Sixers staff, it was like you guys are always smiling, and they just loved that we were smiling all the time. And it was like this this is just you know this was just awesome and amazing. But it was a couple of times. Uh, Dre caught me being a, you know, a fan. <laughs> I'm looking at, you know, all these actors and actresses and all these, uh, you know, Philadelphia Eagles players there. And he's one particular game. He went down and he did this just monster dunk. And we happened to lock eyes. And he said on the floor, because I'm sitting close enough to hear him, he said, you're not even looking. And I was <laughs> looking, but I played it off and I'm just rooting and so he, you know, I'm stargazing and it's like just the whole environment and every, it's so much going on. And it's like, Andre, I'm from Spring, I've, you know, I've lived in Springfield, 117,000 people here. You may see the same person three times in one day. <laughs> so I'm like, this is huge. This is big. So he forgave me for that. <laughs> Did you imagine that he'd be playing with Allen Iverson? I would have never imagined that. Uh, Alan is, he's a beautiful spirit, a beautiful soul. Um, you know, again, what you see and read in, in the media, you know, they put a spin on it. They adjust the narrative to fit the wow effect, you know, or what have you. But the guy that I met, the Alan Iverson, the answer that I met was, all those guys in the NBA and even now, they're all mama's boys, first of all. And then secondly, they love the mothers or the families that show up to support their sons or, or whatever. And like I said earlier with Andre, they just want that normalcy. Right. They just want somebody that, like with Island, Alan, he could just, sit and laugh and talk with us. And my husband is the funniest, most humorous person. I mean, we both will have you in stitches. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's never been a day that we woke up that, you know, first of all, God blessed us. And then God gave us a great sense of humor. You would crack up laughing being around us because we're the silliest people you ever want to <laughs> meet. And we got a chance to share that with Alan and he just loved it. And the thing with him, every time he saw me, it, it, he was just like, your son acts and looks just like you. I mean, and, and he was just so fascinated with that. But I mean, it was just awesome and amazing because Aaron McKee and Alan, and it was one other, I still can't think of that one other guy's name. Uh, they took Andre under their wing and they just really... Uh, they really watched out for him. And then later, uh, uh, he had a, uh, came out of Sacramento, the Sa Sacramento Kings. I can't, I don't know why I can't think of people's names, but uh, it was another one that came in and they just, they just took Andre under their wings, like a, you know, like a little brother and they just took real good care of him. But I was very vocal from the standpoint Y'all get my baby caught up in something. Y'all have not seen hell. <laughs> <laughs> Anything happened to my baby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, 
I do issue threats. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you're not the mom that we want to mess with, right? But you know what? You got to do what you got to do. No, and I say what I mean. I mean what I say. They and Andre, Andre will. If you've read his book, Andre will definitely. She says when she and and my husband told me when we uh, first got together. You know, reflecting back, it's like it's rare you meet a person that tells you what they're gonna do and they actually do. <laughs> well. He played uh, with 76ers with eight seasons, I believe, right? Nine. Nine yes. seasons. Yes. Okay. Nine. And I think midway through, Alan left or Alan was traded, and then it became yep. Andre's. It was his thing. It was his, it yeah. was his game. That's right. Then Andre got traded. But, you know, the nature of the game, right? You get traded at any, at any point. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I know he declined an offer and signed with uh, the Warriors and became an NBA champion. I mean, not once, not twice, but three, three times. times. I mean, come three on times. now. Come on now. <laughs> so let's talk about the first championship, Mom. You're sitting there. You know the season's going great, and then he becomes a champion. I mean, come on now. Let's talk about that. Wow. You know, the Warriors... I'm still trying to get over the Warriors. Matter of fact, I, I've had to uh, go online and buy some Miami Heat apparel because I have so much Warrior stuff. I, I, I can probably for an entire year wear nothing but Warriors and never run out of it. And so the first year there, uh, it was like, wow. You have to experience being in the Warriors arena. Yeah. That is a whole nother level fan. And so, you know, back to your question, moving back to that first championship, it was basically like, uh, man, this shit getting ready to happen. Yeah. <laughs> This is getting ready to happen. And so, you know, we, you have to look at where he was at in his career at that point and where we were at in terms of our own individual lives as, you know, as parents, as, you know, as just ourselves as individuals with our careers and where we were headed. And we were in, everybody was in such a good place at the same time, it allowed us to absorb and just enjoy that entire experience. And it was, it was awesome. It was amazing. I mean, just, it, it was like, just like I said, dang, this is getting ready to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why the Warriors are like, one of the best teams ever, right? And you can see that yeah, they, they gel yeah. together. You know what I mean? It's like you see that culture within the team. And, and, and that's what it is. They they have a, a unique culture. Right, 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 right. And then they went and did it again. How dare they? They, they went and did it again. And it, and it was almost expected at that point. Because, you know, well, in between, you know, Cleveland beat us 2000, right. you know, 2015, uh, Andre also won MVP, mm -hmm. and uh, if you Google, I'm up there on the stage with him, and I'm like, <laughs> 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 and so then you know, 2016, Cleveland beats us, and 
Uh, and then we, you know, we come back, you know, 2017 and 18 and in 2017, it was, it was basically from the start of the season till we won again that, no, we're going to win this. And, and Andre was very confident. Oh, we got this. We got this. We see what we did wrong in 2016. And so then it was expected in 2018. And so, uh, you know, three championships. And so it, it was, it was just the, the most heartwarming part. I have to say heartwarming because I'm an emotional person was Andre's son being able to be there and went through the whole thing with him. I got a, mm -hmm. uh, a interview with little Dre uh, when it's 2015, when his dad won. And so everybody's getting some type of interview. I, somebody interviewed me, somebody interviewed my husband, somebody was interviewing, I think it was TNT was interviewing Andre. And little Dre, I looked up and little Dre is sitting there and he actually said, he said, nobody wants to talk to me. Oh. And so I said, I whipped my phone out and I started interviewing him. And he, and it was just, that's the highlight for me. Yeah. You know, was little Dre. And so later on, and this is the 2015 championship, Dre went, big Dre went on one of the, the tonight show or something like that. And little Dre for father's day had made his dad a, uh, replica of the, uh, NBA championship trophy. And that was before, you know, they made it early, like in April. Right. If I can recall. And so, you know, the championships are way in June. And so watching little Dre uh, go through, you know, to be there and be old enough, because, you know, we, tra he traveled with us, we traveled with them and just watching him. And then my other grandson, they're nine months apart. Uh, he joined us uh, in Cleveland for, right. you know, for some games. And so just them having that experience, that was more heartwarming for me than the overall Andre winning the championship because yeah. it was expected. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's true. <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, how many NBA players can say that they accomplished winning three championships? I mean, it's not. Right, you know, right. It's not too many. Unless right. they play for the Warriors, apparently, right? So, <laughs> so now with this COVID, I mean, everything came to a hiatus. I mean, for a minute. Um, but with Andre being this entrepreneur, yeah, did this this time off basketball give him time to to really focus on a lot of the ventures that he uh, he's engaged in? Oh wow! It it didn't stop. I, I mean, you know, he, he actually works for Comcast. Yeah. And he and another young lady, uh, I don't know her. I've not met her. Mm -hmm. uh, they hired he, Andre and this young lady to head up their something. I don't know the official title, but like their minority division where mm -hmm. their core responsibility is because Comcast doesn't have a good relationship with the minority community right. uh, in which they, you know, have services. And so this is exclusively what Andre and this young lady does. And uh, he's, he's, I mean, when they shut the season down, uh, I can remember him calling me, uh, 
early one morning and he's like, mom, I'm on my way to work, you know? And so I don't know where he, where he was going, but eventually it ended up him having to work from home and he's still doing that as well as, you know, his other, you know, venture capitalist uh, right. uh, things that he's doing, but he's staying very, very active and very busy. And as a matter of fact, this zoom is, you know, one of the benefits that we, that Andre jumped on board with when nobody else jumped on. <laughs> and yeah. see, he picked up on Zoom uh, several years ago because, you, uh, matter of fact, it would be either it, four years ago. Mm-hmm. He started, he and his business manager at the time, and they're now partners, uh, they started the, um, the tech summit mm-hmm. out in San Francisco. Yes. And so that took off bigger than he thought it would. He had to change the venue. Uh, he had to, you know, open it up because uh, I remember Jackie Joyner Kersey calling me and said, tell Dre I want in. And at the time it was only basketball players. And uh, so last year he opened it up to everybody, basketball, baseball, hockey, track people were there. And uh, I remember him being really excited about that. And so uh, that was something that was needed, especially in the, the business of basketball, uh, to help these guys understand that they are a business. Right. And, you know, and a lot of times people will use the, the expression, well, you know, we ain't hit the lottery. Well, even lottery people, if you look at the... Um, statistics on them they're broke within a year yeah so you know it's being frugal with your money and understanding investing in yourself and investing in your future and basically putting family in perspective extended family in perspective that you know i work for a living i don't have just an open checkbook and we're just gonna write a check every time you know something goes wrong because that's something that Andre understood on his journey to the NBA that you wanted to be in the NBA. This is your money. You, this is you as a business because um, what he's most proud of, and I and I and I love that. What he's most proud of in myself and his stepdad that financially we're fine. We're we're fine from the perspective that. We have grown accustomed to our style of living, not Andre's. Right. I don't live in a three, four million dollar house because I don't have three, four million dollar money. Right. But I live in the house that if anything should go wrong with Andre, Linda and Leonard are fine. Right. Right. <laughs> and those are some of the things that uh, that he talks about too, because uh, every year, um, well, except for this year, the NBA draft, they have him uh, come and speak to the guys during the the, uh, the three-day draft school. Oh, the transition? Uh, yeah. The rookie transition, yes. yes. Yeah, they have Andre come in and speak. But you know what? Things like that are good because he said in an interview that people wouldn't even think that a basketball player would be interested in technology, and that is so true. Yeah. That is so, so yeah. true, and for him to go back and speak to players is great because a lot of them don't understand how to invest their money or 
Like, you know what I mean? It's like you're at a certain point in your life and some of these players went from nothing to something. Right, you right. You know what I mean? And you're, you're only, your capacity, you know, your mental capacity can only go so far. I mean, if you're used to getting nothing and all of a sudden you're like this multimillionaire, I mean, you don't know right. how to deal with that money. And that's hard, which brings um, a lot of mental health, a lot of mental stress. It does. It does, because if you don't, if you don't, if generational wealth has not followed you, you don't understand it. That's right. And you're right. You're looking at somebody who is mom and dad were taking care of him. And, you know, you have to ask me for money. You have to ask me for this, that. And then practically 24 hours later, you are a millionaire. You make more money than the person that was taking care of you. There has to be a foundation that regardless to if he became a millionaire or not, there has to be a foundation of responsibility uh, that is established uh, from the beginning. And that is what was always instilled in Andre. Uh, Math is his favorite subject. He loves math. Andre still talks about one day I'm going to be a math teacher. Wow. And that basically bore from you don't let somebody else count your money. So you need to know math. You need to understand uh, the different levels of math and how it relates to what you're trying to accomplish. And that is being able to sit down and somebody is talking to you about your money. Oh, you need to understand what they're right. saying because what we never allowed with Andre because I didn't turn things over to him until he was 23. Right. And it was basically, we never gave anybody signature rights. Right now to this day, Andre still signs all of his checks. Andre still sees all of his bills. Any, if $2 comes out of Andre's check, okay, where did that $2 go? Right. And that came from the blueprint of home. Count your own money. And don't, and don't let anyone get comfortable with counting your money. If you need to fire somebody every three years, you need to fire somebody every three years because they got too comfortable with counting your money. And he grew up watching uh, me and his stepdad in, in terms of business. Uh, he always thought we were mean. He was like, y'all mean. No, we're not mean. We, we understand we understood our business right. and what it entailed and how it affected and impacted us. And we made decisions based on that. And it may not have been favorable to the person that we were interacting with, but we were just straightforward and in your face that, oh, this is not gonna work. So we're not gonna do it. And I, and so he, in, in, some, in some of, jumping to his book, some of his interviews, I've, I've watched him talk and, just amazes me at how much he watched me and how much he observed me and you know we take lightly when people say you know kids watch everything you do and we I think we take that too lightly because listening to him talk now is like I never realized he watched me to the death that he did because me and Andre fought so much you know and it just helped me to see now that he liked what he saw and, and it worked for right. him. 
And he began to, over the years, incorporate different things that he saw would work for him and it worked for me. And maybe he tweaked it or changed it or whatever, but it's still just, you know, that blueprint has to be established early, regardless to if they end up owning a chain of McDonald's, regardless to if they end up working a nine to five, they end up in the NBA, the, the NFL or whatever. That it, fundamentals of finances and understanding business has to be established. Of course. It's like everything that you've done as a mom has helped him be uh, level-headed today. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So you're saying you guys fought a lot, but at the same time, he, you know what I mean? Like he's seen the strength in you and he's like, I'm just going to be just like her. She may get on my nerves, but <laughs> she's, she's me. So <laughs> he was allowed to tell me that, that, that was the, we were uh, a home, with respect. He was allowed to be vocal. Right. Both he and his brother were allowed to be vocal. That, that is so critical of parents with their kids because you know, we come from an era, you weren't allowed a voice. Right. If you yeah. questioned anything or even gave a side eye the wrong way, you were completely shut down, you know, in, in, in a physical way. And so it, it challenged that we, we were faced with that challenge as adults because we were not used to having that voice. And the thing with me being number six of seven kids, I challenged my mom on everything. Right. And I got on her nerves just like Andre got on mine because it was always why, right. why, I don't understand why. And you could not. I refuse to accept because I said so. Well, just because you're my mom and you're bigger than me, I don't have to accept that. I got slapped in the mouth a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I got slapped a lot. But I always said when I had children, the one thing I constantly said, if I had kids, I was going to give my kids a voice. Right. My kids were going to be able to say to me, I don't like you today. You're just, you're, you know, you're being... Fussy. You're acting like, you know, women, we can be fussy and emotional. And when I went through those fussy, emotional times, they were allowed to say, you're getting on my nerves. You're just fussing about, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Or, you know, school, for example, my kids conducted their own parent-teacher conferences. I just sat there and observed. Right. And they should be allowed to say to this teacher, I agree or I don't disagree, right. I agree or disagree, but engage in conversation about how you're teaching me. And the only time I would step in is if I felt like it was going in a direction that maybe they weren't able to handle or right. they took it in the wrong direction. I would mediate basically, but they are used to having a voice. They are used to saying and expressing themselves and they've been doing that since a young age because Andre started off stuttering. And that is common in our family, especially in the males. And I can remember them wanting to put him in a special ed class. And I realized my son had a stuttering problem. I'm trying to figure out why the teacher don't understand that he's got a stuttering yeah. problem. It's obvious that Something was going on with his communications, but why did he need to be put in 
special ed. Right. But one of the things that I learned early as a black mother with two black males, that is common. When you, when you, I, I did my homework, when you look at who is in those special ed classes, number one is males. Mm-hmm. Number two is predominantly black males. And I noticed that every time a special grant came out through the district, it always targeted special ed. I fought from K through 12, keeping my two black sons out of special ed. And my kids stayed in high honor classes, but I had to fight keeping them out of special ed. And so I fought him going into a special class because he stuttered. And it's like, I have a, I stutter also, but what I I taught Andre at home, when you get to a word and you feel like that word is going to be challenging, go to another word that's easier for you to say and just keep the conversation going or don't say the word at all. So I worked with him uh, on that as well as working in the school because it was like my son doesn't need to be in no special ed class because he he stutters and we fought and we worked through it and then because he had that slight stutter I used to have him stand in front of me at home read read me this book you stand there and you read this book to me and then I taught him how to look away from the book and you know you're reading and you're looking up you're reading and you're looking up and I would give him challenging books with words that were challenging. And we overcame that, you know, and, and that's, that's the investment you have to put in your kids. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, you know, it shows that you as a mom, you invested in your son. You invested in him academically. You invested in him athletically. Now look at him. I mean, here's your son who did 16 years in the NBA. He played yeah. for Team USA so twice, I believe it was Turkey and I want to say London. Uh, and London. Say London. Yeah, Turkey and London yeah. he played. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on now. He has three NBA championships. He what he owns, what, 30 startup companies. He's invested <laughs> in Zoom, Netflix. I love Netflix, yeah. by the way. Um, Zynga. Data Dog, all kinds of companies, you know what I mean? And then he wrote Sixth Man. And in his book, he he, it, he talks about all these things. Like he, he I think he, he referred it to as a memoir. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Of, and, and that's good because that's going to be a good, um, it's a good path to show um, players where to be. Oh, he's also VP of the, the Players Association. Right. I mean, Audrey's right. involved in everything right. and that's, and, and, and that is good. And that starts with you, you know what I mean? As his mom and all the teachings. Right. So my question to you and one of my last questions, um, mm-hmm. what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes a parent could make to get their child to the to league? Not allowing them to be children, allow them to grow. Right. Um, Andre had an opportunity uh, to play. Uh, well, once he he got you know out of middle school, Andre had a chance to play on you know older teams, varsity. Mm-hmm. I did not allow them to do that. I wanted Andre to enjoy his childhood. Right. Um, it's one thing. It's one thing for me to, at that time, look at what potentially he was going to 
face once he got into that life of the NBA. It still was yet another, uh, it was a whole nother story once we experienced it. But knowing and having the, 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 the notion that life was going to completely change and I, and I expressed that to him is that your natural growing processes will change compared to someone who just gets up every day and go to nine to five or somebody, just a regular person. You're not going to have that anymore. So it was important that I allow Andre to be nine, to be 10, to be 11, to be 15, 17, to allow him to grow to allow him to enjoy his childhood. Because I always say it is nothing worse than a 60-year-old man acting like a damn (laughs) 15-year-old. Let them grow. Let them enjoy life. Because if you understand from a spiritual perspective that God has anointed your child, what's supposed to happen is going to happen. Right. And you cannot rush it. You cannot make it happen any faster than it's going to happen. And then the process in which it's supposed to happen, stand within the spiritual guidance, it will go much easier versus if you go outside and allow yourself to be caught up in this carnal world and its messiness and make it even more challenging. Don't let somebody come and tell you your fifth grader is going to the NBA. You don't know that because if you really think about it, even in your environment and the, and the excellent players that you have been around, the best players are not in the NBA. They are not. And I have plenty of people who are, I went to school with that won't even speak to me on the streets or even acknowledge me because they have come to me and said, my kid's in the fourth grade and I got all these people saying he's going to the NBA. Well, how's he doing in school? Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, the kid Andre uh, played basketball with who was really elite. Richard was in the seventh grade and it was, his path was late. Richard is going to the NBA and Richard was actually better than Andre. Nobody expected that Richard would peak in the eighth grade. He never got any better or his, it, it, he, nothing changed with him. He won the eighth grade championship. That was it. Let your kids be kids. Right. And focus on them and their spirituality. Focus on them and their grades and the importance of investing in self and feeding themselves knowledge. Focus on them and their role in the family and and them being a productive individual in society. None of those things have anything to do with the NBA, but should they make it to the NBA, that will help them in the NBA at that time. But in the formative years, the fundamental years, Work on that blueprint, work on that foundation of building that character, building that good person, because whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. If he does not end up in the NBA, like this kid that Andre grew up with, 
He works for the Miami. He said, he, he has a story that came out. Uh, I just read it. They did an article on it. He said, I was going to always be in the NBA. He is. He's in the NBA. Right. He's not playing, but he's in the NBA. Allow them to be kids. Let them yeah. grow. I don't want to talk to somebody with a kid in the fourth, fifth, sixth grade about no NBA. I don't want to hear it. I want to hear about that kid being a kid because there's a lot of people. Uh, and I'll wrap it up. I, it was a lot of people that said how immature Andre was. No, Andre was a kid. Right. And he was allowed to be a kid. He was not, a, he was, when he was 10, he was not 12. When he was 12, he was not 15. Right. And he stay in your lane. And, and that's the, and, and you'd be amazed at how that nurturing in that fashion will bring about just whatever God, and if, again, if you're in the spirit, God is going to reveal to you what that child is supposed to be doing. Look, nurturing is, that's all we can give our kids to help them grow, right? And like you said, on the spiritual side, all we have to do is get let God order our steps and everything will be great. And let God order it. you said it, Linda, thank you so, so, so much. You are. This was so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> I know I've, I feel so blessed to to speak to you, and I've learned so much more about about uh, Andre and yourself. You know what I mean? That is, and I've learned, and I, you know, I have not had an official opportunity to meet you and see you. I've, I've you know, heard you. Uh, I've listened to, like I said, I listened to your. Uh, your interview. Uh, I did listen to it with with Iris and Fred Van Bleetsma. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's an excellent platform uh, for us. I think we have a wealth of wisdom and knowledge to right. offer um, this audience. And and I'm I'm so glad and so happy that that you are doing this. And just wish you all the blessings and continued success. And thank you. And thank you for for allowing people in, you know what I mean? Like in your family and, and yeah. understand how you did it because it's important because you know what I mean? There's so many up and coming players that really don't know what to do. And without God. this information, you know what I mean? They're just, who knows where they'll end up. So God. blessings to I'm you. Always, I'm always happy to share any new mom. Uh, you know, I'm always happy to share because I had a beautiful uh, group of women that helped me in, in my journey coming into right. the NBA. Uh, Miss Fisher, Derek Fisher's mom, uh, Jeannie Rose, uh, Jalen Rose's mom, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's mom, Miss Lucille, uh, Ray Allen's mom, uh, Flo. I, so I, I had a, a beautiful group of women that helped me and it's my responsibility and my duty to keep that going. That's right. As mothers like us, that will help the up and comings, right? Right. Wow. right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Linda. Please keep in touch. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and we'll you blessed. Thank you. Thanks for coming on Courtside Mom's Love. Baby.